Hey there, this is Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast Walking with Dante, a podcast that has slow walked to what may be most people's favorite part of Purgatorio, the back part of Canto 4, the penitent soul, <laughs> I guess he's penitent, the penitent soul that the pilgrim Dante meets on the first minor ledge of the giant mountain of Purgatory. Wow, that's a lot to say, right? We are at Purgatorio, Canto 4, lines 97 through 114. This is my English translation, rough, not poetic translation of the medieval Florentine. You can find it on my website, markscarbro.com or walkingwithdante.com. You can, as I always say, print it off. You can make notes on your print off. You can drop a comment to me. You can continue the conversation, ask questions. You can do all of that on my website at any time. So, to say where we are, we are again on that first little ledge of Mount Purgatory. It goes around the mountain. Dante has been out of breath. There has been much discussion about astronomy and the unity of the soul and scholastic reasoning and geography and morality. And Virgil have just been banging on forever. And then this happens. The back of the canto. This is the first half of the meeting of this rather infamous soul in Purgatorio. As soon as Virgil had uttered these words, a voice quite close at hand said, Maybe you'll feel the need to sit down before that. At the sound of this, we both turned around and saw a huge rock to our left that neither I nor Virgil had noticed at first. We walked over to it, and some people were there hanging around in the shade behind the boulder like a guy who settled in for a bit of sheer negligence. One of them, who seemed to me very worn out, was sitting with his arms wrapped around his knees, pressing his face down between them. Oh, my sweet lord, I said, check out that one who looks lazy enough that sloth itself might as well be his baby sister. Then that guy turned his attention to us, barely shifting his face up along his thigh and said, fine, go on up if you're so tough. the best line in all of Purgatorio. Fine, you climb the mountain if you think you've got so much machismo, you've got so much bravado. Best line of all of Purgatorio brings the whole thing crashing down around your head. Let's look at this passage in several ways. Let's talk first about the first lines that this guy utters. We're not even going to name him in this episode of the podcast. He is named eventually, but we're going to leave it just as it stands, which is we don't know his name. Because, after all, the poem doesn't leave us his name to start off. So we might as well just stay in that little bit of ambiguity at the front and just see what we can see without knowing what we will eventually know. Let's talk about what he says. Let's talk about why he might say it. Let's talk about negligence and the way it is related in the Middle Ages. And then, finally, at long last... Let's talk about what the irony is in this passage. So the passage starts out with Virgil 
finishing up. And if you remember, Virgil has given a speech about how the sun works. Dante has repeated it, as I tried to point out to you, in a simpler, more straightforward way. Then they got into a discussion about how high up the mountain is. Virgil changed that into a moral discussion about somehow it's easier to go up the farther up you go, which suddenly got all allegorical and symbolic and theological. And then this guy interrupts them and says, maybe you'll feel the need to sit down before that. Let's just focus on that for a minute. Maybe. That is actually the last word of the line in medieval Florentine, forse, which means that it's stressed because it's in the rhyming position, first of all. And secondly, it means the line is enjammed. If you remember, we've talked about this a little bit before, but enjambment means that a line goes on beyond its natural ending. It doesn't end at the end of a line, but wraps on to the next line. So this line is enjammed, and the forse, the maybe, perhaps, it's sitting in the rhyming position, which means it's really stressed. It's really hard. Maybe you'll feel the need to sit down before that. Now, there are a couple ways to read this, and we're going to talk through this. You can read that as very sarcastic. Maybe you'll need to sit down before that, like, yeah, you're going to run out of breath long before you get to the top of this thing. So maybe as in as if in modern English slang. Or... It could be maybe as in predictive, and we want to talk more about this in a minute. It could be maybe in the sense of, I can't fully see the future, but I got a hunch you're going to stumble a few times on this mountain. This is really important to how you take this figure. How exactly do you take that force? But you should know that when he says you'll feel the need to sit down before that, and everything he says from now on out is using the to or the informal you in medieval Italian. He's speaking only to Dante, and I want to underline it. This figure never seems to notice Virgil. That proves unbelievably important to perhaps what this figure is all about. Go back to that first line. As soon as Virgil had uttered these words, what is it that Virgil had just said? Virgil just said, I can't say anything else, but I know this much is true about the climb getting easier until it feels like you're floating downstream in a boat. That sentence is what leads into this sequence. So if we just think that out for a second, what we're looking at is the inability to know for sure from Virgil. That is, Virgil knows something about morality, but because he's lacking full revelation, he can't say any more about Mount Purgatory. And that inability, based on a lack of revelation, is contrasted here by a figure who seems to be lazing about in the shade. So we might say that inability is contrasted with negligence or with unwillingness. Surely Virgil is more than willing to learn more. Surely Virgil is more than willing to get the full revelation. We know it. He hung his head over Plato and Aristotle. The lack of revelation 
is worse than just not wanting to go. This guy isn't going to really want to climb the mountain. You go up if you think you're so tough. Virgil yearns to know more and is damned. This soul knows more, yet doesn't want to climb the mountain, is kind of just hanging out here in the shade, is a figure, as the passage says, of negligence. Now, you should know, and this is really important, that while I'm giving it to you as this figure is negligent and indolent and unwilling to go forward and lazing about almost taking a siesta in the noontime shade, we'll talk about that in a minute, you should know that there are others who feel differently. For example, Petrocchi, the famed Petrocchi who put together the text in Medieval Florentine that we all currently use, Petrocchi doesn't see this line as ironic. He feels it's instructive that this figure is not put here to make fun of the pilgrim, as I'm currently reading it, or to point out an irony in the text that is, you just don't want to, please don't make me climb Mount Purgatory, I don't want to. That's how I'm currently reading it for you. But Petrochi says, no, 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 that's all wrong. This figure is actually instructive. And that's not an ironic line. That's a really true line. The figure is predicting Dante's fate, that this climbs hard. And you're going to want to sit down a lot because you, you just don't have the gumption yet to get up a mountain like this. Understand that the ironic interpretation of this figure, while the majority opinion at this point still has naysayers running around it. Moving on in the passage, at the sound of this, that is the voice, we both, Dante and Virgil, turned around and saw a huge rock to our left that neither I nor Virgil had noticed at first. We walked over to it, and some people were there, hanging around the shade behind the boulder, like a guy who was settled for a bit of sheer negligence, or as I just said, for a siesta. It's hot. It's getting toward the middle of the day. These guys have taken refuge in the shade of a giant boulder on Mount Purgatory. And this one, as we will see, is almost in a fetal position with his knees drawn up and his face between his knees. There is a way in which negligence is our key word here, and it is the key word on which the passage will turn. But there may be another color to this. There's a lot of talk in medieval lit around the 12th and 13th century about a state of being called inactive melancholy. It is sometimes referred to in folkloric and even, even believe it or not, medical treatises as the noontime demon, inactive melancholy. That is a kind of melancholy that sets in, particularly in the middle of the day when you're supposed to be busy and you just don't have the effort to get up. I'm Surely we've all been in this position at various times in our lives. There's a lot of talk about the noontime demon, and there may be ways that that's echoing in this passage. It's hot. They're in the shade. They're kind of hanging out. They're not moving. This kind of inactive, slothful melancholy. One of them, the passage goes on, who seemed to be very worn out, was sitting with his arms wrapped around his knees. As I said, he's in a fetal position, pressing his face down between the mat. Now, I don't think he's on his side, but I mean, his knees are drawn up. His head's kind of between his knees. <laughs> he is more limber than this old man who is running this podcast is, but okay. So anyway, 
he's sitting there with his face between his knees. And he and Dante says, oh, my sweet guide to Virgil, check out that one who looks lazy enough that sloth itself might as well be his baby sister. Dante, the poet right here, is playing a very tricky game. First of all, he is saying sloth. Sloth is one of the seven deadly sins, which you know what? It's not a sin that is punished in Inferno. There were no circles of the slothful. There were no pouches of the slothful. The slothful were not out on the ice sheet of Cocytus. Sloth is not necessarily punished in Inferno. The reason I say not necessarily punished is some people interpret the neutrals. Remember those people up at the top that are being stung by wasps and running around in mud and they're chasing after banners with no insignia on them and they're angels and humans all together in that muck and they're screaming and we haven't even got to limbo yet. Some people claim that that is the sin of sloth, that those people were so lazy they made no decision in life, and thus that's where sloth is punished. I don't buy that because that would mean sloth is ahead of limbo in the structure of Inferno, and that doesn't make any sense to me why Dante would put one of the seven deadly sins in front of limbo, and yet we come to this nice castle with its clean water and the green grass and all that stuff. No, why, wait, why is the bad scene before that? It doesn't make much uh, sense in the progressive logic of, that is, the progression logic of Inferno. Though I don't buy that those people are the slothful, but you should know that there is a tradition of interpretation that says that sloth. For my interpretation, sloth is not punished in Inferno. And yet here it comes up. And in fact, this guy looks pretty slothful. He looks like he's not really moving anywhere, which is weird. Because we're not yet amongst the deadly sins. We'll get to the slothful in purgatory. So Dante's playing a really fast and loose game here, maybe reflecting back on Inferno about winking at me and saying, you know, there was a sin we didn't cover in Inferno. Here's this guy. Oh, interesting. And he says that Sloth might as well have been this guy's baby sister. And we should point out that his little sister is Sloth. So he's not descended from Sloth. He's the elder brother of Sloth. (laughs) He's the guardian of Sloth, the guy who inherits the kingdom and takes care of Sloth ultimately. Oh, it's just an unbelievable bit of allegorical irony, I think, going on underneath this character. Sinful traits in medieval thinking were hereditary. If your father was prideful, likelihood in medieval thinking, you'll be prideful. If your mother was a glutton, likelihood in medieval thinking, you'll be a glutton. This is why Manfred is so shocking, because he should have inherited his father's sinful traits. He should have inherited Frederick's heresy and Frederick's unwillingness to follow the church. And yet, here is Manfred in Purgatorio. And given that sin is hereditary from parents to children in medieval thinking, Dante's playing that game here. Sloth might as well have been his baby sister, as if it's this hereditary trait, which suddenly puts a lot of weight on his character, right? And the end. Then that guy turned his attention to us, barely shifting his face up along his thigh. I mean, this guy can barely move. 
<laughs> just barely moves his head. He doesn't even really turn it. And he says, fine, go on up if you're so tough. For me, this is a grand bit of irony after Dante's first attempts at mountaineering. Dante has made this heroic climb in which he's so out of breath that he's had to stop and wait on this little ledge that runs around the mountain. And this great heroic feat is met with this sneer. You go up if you think you could do it, do it. In addition, after we've passed through those difficult passages on scholastic reasoning of the unity of the soul and the sun's position, we've passed through, in medieval terms, astronomy, astrology, physics, geography, morality, all of that about the position of the sun. We went through all of that, and then we get this line. You go up if you think you're so tough. That was tough bit to, to get through. We waded through those passages. And now we have somebody sitting here on this ledge who's just like, you think you're so smart? You go figure it out. To me, it is a grand statement of irony. But you should know that there are other ways to read this figure. And we're going to have to hold that, oh, sorry, for the next episode of this podcast, the next and final part of this character's speech. To get there, you have to subscribe to this podcast, rate it, like it, do all those things. You know the things that you need to do. It helps the podcast, which is otherwise unsupported, and I very much appreciate it. Thanks for being on this walk with me. I love this figure who we've encountered on this first ledge, and we have much more ahead of us to do with him in the next episode of Walking with Dante. I'm Mark Scarborough. And I'll see you then. Mm-hmm.